Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Today on The Real Bottom Line, we have the privilege of speaking to a real pioneer in the Canadian IT industry. For 35 years, he has been distributing and inventing innovative IT solutions across Canada. We're going to talk about personal blocks versus world blocks, how to build an ecosystem of opportunity, and how to build a successful, sustainable business. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line, the podcast for entrepreneurs who are serious about growing the value of their business. Our guest is Larry Keating, president of NPC and CEO of Keating Technologies. Larry, welcome to the show. Hello, Wendy. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh my God, I'm so very excited because 35 years, like what a milestone in terms of owning and operating successful businesses. What does that make you think when you hear that number, 35 years? Well, when I do the math on the age that I give out, I must have started when I was six years old. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes. I was actually in my late 20s when I started Keating Technologies. It was an exciting time in the tech industry the late 1980s, 1987. Mm -hmm. And it just looked like technology was going to be able to change the world. That's awesome. And well, I thought, give us the Coles Notes version of 87 up to today. Tell oh, us. Oh, wow. Well, in that time, um, what I did was my first company, Keating Technologies, that still runs today, um, is a representation firm. And it works on a national basis for most of its product lines. So we represent high technology company of different ilk to Canadians, high-end networking gear, uh, products for education, government, healthcare. We manage distribution. We build reseller channels. Um, and through that business, we've brought more than $2 billion in technology and services to Canadians. Because I, I when I kind of looked at Canada and thought about moving into technology when I was a young man, one of the things that occurred to me was that we were parked right next door to the biggest and greatest R&D center in history mm -hmm. in the United States. And certainly we need to be a great creator of technology. And we have done brilliantly in that regard. Actually, we punch above our weight when you look at what we do in technology, uh, given our, uh, you know, our, our, our per capita output of that. But what really, you know, I thought was as important was to be a great adopter of technology putting all this great technology to work to, you know, improve our productivity, improve our economy, secure our country, do all kinds of uh, very great things with it. And I've been just thrilled and honored to be able to participate in it and make a living doing it. And I haven't had a boss in 35 years other than every one of my customers and clients who are all my bosses. And uh, it's been good. That's awesome. And then a, a few years ago, you started another company with in regards to hardware as a service. How did that evolve? Well, I'd been doing some, you know, as Keating succeeded and grew to a fairly significant organization, 
I, I started to have the time available to give a little bit back. So I did some ad hoc government advisory work starting in the early 2000s. And I was chairman of the Minister's Technology Advisory Group for the province of Ontario. I sat on the chair's advisory council for e-government, a bunch of things, worked closely with our privacy commissioner in Ontario. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that work, I was watching how technology was so you know, permeating every aspect of business. I knew it wouldn't be long and we wouldn't be able to function and, and you know, compete and prosper without good utilization and exploitation of technology. Uh, in fact, it's a big determinant of success now, how you work with technology. But about, you know, it started about 15 years ago. I started to think, what's the smaller organization going to do to have good, productive, secure computing? How, how is that going to happen? Because the way it was happening 15 years ago, by and large, was big companies had all the advantage. They had big IT shops. They had great people in the organization. If you, if you showed up at the bank, Monday morning for the first day of your job, there was a computer on your desk. It was all configured and secured and ready to go. And I thought, well, what's, what's the 10 person company supposed to do to achieve that? Yeah. And the only model I could come up with was turning the acquisition of it into a service. Mm -hmm. Just like software turned into a service where we no longer buy disks. We, uh, we don't take the disk out of a package and load it on our own server, our own computer and try to make it run. We just click a link agree to pay and we can take advantage of very powerful software now i believed computers needed to be like that mm -hmm. and so you know over the course of the last more than dozen years we've built out uh, devices a service business that are very secure computers for very small businesses business of any size we have companies with hundreds of them but our focus is the smaller businesses and they have as secure and as good a computing experience as any of the big companies and that was my goal not easy to achieve because it defies traditional thinking. You know, for over 50 years, my industry has trained consumers and businesses to be the largest do-it-yourself workforce in history. Uh, what other product do you buy that you, you take it home, take it out of the box, take it back to your office, and you got to do a whole lot of work to make it do what it's supposed to do, configuring and setting up and loading and, and everything. It's so worth the work. Yeah, when, when you're fighting that, that ingrown notion uh, it, it, it's a change of a way of doing something. So that it, but it's been fascinating and interesting. The outcomes have been everything I'd hoped for, but it, it still surprises me that businesses are even smaller businesses where they don't have a lot of background in tech, still reluctant to embrace a new idea, even though on its face, it may make sense to them because they don't see a lot of other people doing it yet. They might not do it. Fascinating. I'd like to back up just a little bit. When you started talking about the volunteer work you did with the government, I find that sometimes when we're in particular industries, like, you know, I'm in the financial industry, you're in a different industry, that it almost seems like the systems that within which we operate encourages almost a silo, live in a castle, live in a bu bubble, if you will, where we aren't necessarily encouraged or given opportunities to be exposed to new ideas, new data, new direction. What would you say to it, uh, to business owners? Like you, you kind of bucked the trend and went and did all this volunteer work, but in the end, it actually was the genesis of a really good business idea. Yeah, it, it's about you know getting out of the rut you run in. Yeah, that's like I've been running Keating since 
the late 80s. I was, did it as a young man. I don't have a university education. I was high school graduate. And I, I, I always looked maybe because of that for a little bit more exposure to big things and how they're done. Mm. Um, now, I also was just being altruistic about it. I felt like it was you know, my abilities you know, gave me the opportunity to give back a little bit yeah. and, and share my knowledge. But it was an interesting outcome because it not only gave me a different perspective. I, I know we often demonize government and, you know, like they never get anything right and, you know, the politicians and everything. But what I actually found was there's a lot of really good, smart people, hard at work, you know, extremely difficult mechanism of change. Yeah. And you can learn a lot from that. And some of them were very effective at making change in their own way. And we don't feel it as much as we'd like to sometimes, but I got to observe that from the inside. I sat in the boardroom meetings. I, I, I worked with premiers. I even worked with prime ministers, you know, on strategies. And it was interesting to see how good their intentions were, but how difficult it was for the mechanism they were up against. And it's the same as us in small business. Right. Right. We're up against these big giant mechanisms that we're trying to figure out our way through, around, over or under. And if you can pick up a little technique, but I, I, it was also just getting out of my comfort zone, going into something different once a week or two weeks or every quarterly meeting that I had. It, it, it got me out of my work because one of the things that happens when you start a business is you get consumed. Mm. You get all consumed. Down into the day to day, man. Oh, yeah. It just, it eats you up. And so committing to something and going out and doing something is, uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's stimulating, but it gives you the opportunity to see how other things work. Yeah, I think I, I, I really relate to that. I think of some of the um, business coaching programs I've joined that have entrepreneurs from all different walks of life, all different sectors. And the, I sometimes learn way more than from them than the people in my industry. So I really relate to exposing yourself to new ideas. How did you force yourself out of the, your comfort zone? Cause it's an easy place to stay. Like what was the impetus to do that? Well, I don't know. That's, that, that's an awful good question. Um, I think it was just because I'm inherently a risk taker and I, I like new things, right? When the opportunity came along, when I got asked to, help out or serve on a committee. Um, I've, you know, worked on hospital campaign cabinets. Um, I'm currently on York University's campaign cabinet for a yeah. new campus they've built here in Markham. It's, it's a little bit of sense of giving back, but it was also that it's in my nature, you know, to want to be involved, to get involved with new things. And it was appealing to me that I was even asked, by the way. I Fair mean, I, I was kind of honored. So, you get it, you, you, you get at it. A lot of people look at, well, it's not a good use of my time, mm. right? I'm gonna give those hours away and I could be making those billable hours or building my business, uh, but it, you're just not sharpening the saw, right? You're well, cutting, and, and, cutting and cutting and not stopping for a minute. The road to the answer isn't always necessarily a straight line because uh, you had great ideas that ultimately became very high revenue producing ideas it's um you can't say you would have those if you weren't in those rooms so that's that's that's, that's right uh, when i designed the product that we sell at npc it's called a secure managed computer 
So we provide all the security and it's managed and monitored on the device. It's all provided as a monthly fee. Well, a lot of that came from meetings I had on something called the Chair's Advisory Council, which our Privacy Commissioner sat on and other technology leaders. Um, you know, the, the head of technology for Ontario was on that group. We met every 90 days for 90 minutes, like clockwork for four years. And I heard firsthand how legislation was evolving around privacy yeah. and around security and the requirements for companies. And it was a wonderful inside track to where things were starting to go. So I got direct benefit out of that, right? And that's, I, that's, I, I think, something that folks might have a hard time buying into conceptually because they, it's kind of, you get into this see a bear, shoot a bear scenario with your time, right? You, you, go, you wanna go hardcore on just spending it, chasing down that next big order. But I wanted to invent something that would make meaningful change. And I couldn't do that sitting in my office chasing the next big order in Keating. Well, and what I think I would take away from that is in order to build an ecosystem of opportunity, you actually have to leave your ecosystem and bring stuff back in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at, look at the great you know, entrepreneurs of our day. Mm -hmm. And look where they got their ideas from. They're all very unconventional thinkers. Even, which is arguably one of the greatest investors in history, Warren Buffett. Like, who is more out of the box in terms of style and thinking in his industry than Warren Buffett? He made a new box. Like yeah, yeah exactly. Everyone wants in the new box. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And that's easy to say, but hard to do. Yeah. You know, I always marveled at Warren Buffett for one reason. Here was a guy who shared what he did, completely open about it. He and Charlie Munger would talk till the cows came home about exactly what they did to make their fortunes and make their business work. Yeah. And thousands showed up at his conference every year to hear it firsthand. I know people who go every year. Yep. And still, it's not a normal way to operate in their, in their business, looking at a business the way they do, looking at the value metrics yeah. the, the, the way that those two did. So you, they did, that's a good way of putting it, Wendy. They did create a new box and it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's hard for other people to you know, in, envision themselves in it when they're in an old traditional way of doing things. Absolutely. Um, in the green one, we talked a bit about uh, when we're building a business and I mean, now you've got 35 years under your belt. One of the things you talked to me as business owners, some of the barriers we run into could be personal blocks or they could be world blocks. Explain this concept to me. Yeah, I, I picked it up years ago. I, I'm, I'm a voracious reader. It's, it's not unusual for me to have two or three books going at a time. And I've done it all my life. Just a thing. I just, I love reading. And I, I'd like to give credit to the organization that introduced this idea to me, but it just doesn't come to mind. But the concept is this. When you're building something and doing something new uh, in, in almost any endeavor in life, if you break it down into two big categories, mm -hmm. what are the things I can control and what are the things I can't? Yes. I may have some personal blocks. I may not have the experience in the business. Um, I may not you know, have the uh, work ethic. I may not have the capital. I may not have some of the things that I need. I gotta take inventory of that and be realistic about my, my personal blocks. I find that uh, because I've, you know, done a lot of speaking on entrepreneurialism. I have a lot of folks 
will give me a call or come by my office and say, can you just tell me how you did it? And can you give me some pointers? And sometimes I detect that they're not quite right for the job. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they got a lot of good intentions, but they really are not putting in the, the groundwork effort. And Lose 10 pounds in two days with this yeah. miracle drug. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So those personal blocks are, are important to identify and know the things you can control. Right. And then looking at the things you can't control. And where what I find there is a lot of people that love to be in kind of a, an obvious denial. Now, don't get me wrong. Being in denial is really important to be an entrepreneur because that's how we change things. I was told by many people, Larry, nobody will buy a computer that way. Right. I was told by many people. Mm -hmm. um, but I had removed most of my personal blocks. Right. And I was prepared to change that world block. But a, a lot of folks go into a business and I find sometimes they, they haven't really surveyed the landscape. Mm -hmm. They don't really know who the competition is. You know, one of the examples I use is if you're a software developer, you'd be very careful that a really big software company couldn't move sideways and eat your business. You know, Microsoft can make a decision tomorrow to, to add another feature to the Office 365 suite that can kill an entire company. Well, we were saying earlier too, that's the same as what we're seeing with Facebook right now or Instagram and some of these popular social media sites. People have got their whole business delivery mechanism set up on these sites and then boom, changes overnight. Exactly. So know your world blocks too. Know what's out there and what could get in your way that you can't control. And be in obvious denial about it if you have to be, that, that you just, or you're going to ignore that and go in anyways, but at least know it's there. Um, you're a very confident person, Larry. Did you start out that way? Uh, another good question. I don't get asked very often. Um, your mind back just a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Larry, did you love your mother? <laughs> <laughs> We're not going far that far back, Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, little, a little psychoanalysis here. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I think there's a strong independent streak in me. Mm -hmm. I think it's always been there. I've, I've always, you know, not wanted to be the same, yeah. even when I was young. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just part of my DNA. I don't think it's an essential ingredient for success in entrepreneurialism, by the way. I, I, I don't. The independence piece? Yeah. 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 I, I don't think, you know, being super extroverted is, is required. I'm a little bit of an extrovert. I, I don't think it's required to be successful. I know some very, you know, staid, contemplative, I, you'd almost describe them as kind of slow moving thinkers and people who are really successful as entrepreneurs their meticulousness and their methodicalness has been the, the driver of their, their success in their, in their business and company. I'll tell you, I have my moments. You know, we all have our moments of insecurity and concern. Mm -hmm. um, don't go into a business if you want to take it to a scale, if you're not good at managing stress. Yeah. I would not advise it um, because it is inevitable. And some of us can manage stress and just, kind of inculcated into our physiology and learn to live with it and learn to turn it on and off. Mm -hmm. uh, but you do have to have, for me, the, the, the level of uh, confidence and even, you know, sometime, you know, to the point of, you know, foolish confidence that I, that I forge ahead. 
in as I was building Keating and we represented, you know, some really significant product lines over the years, like a lot of your listeners may not remember it, but we brought the Palm Pilot to Canada originally. I remember it. Yeah, a lot of people did. It was a game changer. I remember holding a palm in the palm of my hand. <laughs> um, the first time I, I met Donna Dubinsky and Jeff Hawkins, who invented it, uh, we were at a trade show in Las Vegas. There was 22 people in Palm, and I just got the answers I needed to know, know that that particular handheld was going to be a game changer. And, you know, it was exciting. And I, I, I said to my brother, who was with me at the time, I said, it doesn't matter what it takes. I'm going to get that product line. It's going to be us for Canada. And I was incredibly bold about it. Yeah. And it worked. We put more than a million of those in Canadians' hands. It was kind of a legendary product. We had other products over the years that were bigger mm-hmm. and more, and, and even some that I feel were as impactful, but I just happened to remember that one. And by the way, I was recently had an experience that I put up there with the first time I had a palm in my hand and realized handhelds were going to be a game changer. That was, by the way, circa 1995, yeah. I think, in those years. Yeah. Um, the time before that was the first time I got on a rudimentary web browser. Mm-hmm. There was about 3,000 companies on the internet. Yeah. And my brother, Bill, said to me, we're going to register, who's been working with me for 35 years. He's my VP of Tech and Ops. He, he said, we're going to register our domain name called Keating.com. And I said, oh, okay, well, great. And he started telling me, I said, 3,000 companies on the internet, Bill. I said, what are we doing this for? Nobody will ever find us. And he said, you're a complete idiot. He said, that's not, that's completely counter to how all this is going to work. So, but I do remember that being on a web browser for the first time, holding the palm in my hand. And then recently, the first time I got on chat GPT, those are three moments when I recognized the landscape was going to change. And you have to think about that and then get bold. Yeah. Did a lot you have of people, to fake it till you make it at all, Larry? Oh, you, you know, know. Axum, or did you just say, I can do this and I'm going to show you that I can? Yeah. Yeah. It, there are moments. Yes. There are moments when you're probably over presenting a little bit and then you're running back to the office to say, okay, I committed us to this. We got to figure out how to do it now. The conundrum of all salespeople. Of course we can do that. Can we do that to yeah. the team back home? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I think that having a certain honesty and integrity about your capabilities and yourself is is an absolute hallmark of success. I mean, I think there's too many people think they can fool or game the system. Mm. I've never seen that work out happy too often. Well, uh, certainly not long term, I wouldn't say. No, not long term. That's a good way that, you know, of putting it because short term you may win, but long term it, it doesn't work for you. But you do have to, you know, and it ties to that boldness and that confidence. You do have to commit yourself. And you do have to, you know, be able to stand in front of a big organization and say, look, we're going to do this for you. And yeah, we can get it done. We can get it done. I, I don't think I'd ever intentionally mislead somebody mm-hmm. or lie to somebody about a capability. But would I push the envelope of the depth of our capability? I might, but I'll work real hard to backfill it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Your business is making a profit. You're growing but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. 
Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. Question for you. What is, this is going to be a hard one, okay? I want you to cast your mind back 35 years. Yeah. And what is the one thing you know now that you wish you'd known then? Well, get a job. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, kidding, kidding. You're unemployable, Larry. Let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell Jay, my wife. I said, the only reason I work so hard at this is I'm chronically unemployable now. <laughs> uh, what would I tell myself? Yeah, I, I think the one thing I'd want to know is that it's going to be hard mm. and don't let that part get get you down too bad don't you know make that too big it's just the thing yeah it's going to be hard and you know unless somebody's dying don't worry about it i mean just let it go but you get so serious about it you get so intense you get so invested in it yeah. there, there have been times when my house was on the line right yeah. there have been times when we had to go back and refinance in a different way now we've been very successful financially in terms of years of consecutive profit. But when I wanted to do some big things or take on a major product line, uh, I remember when we did Gateway Computers, we built Gateway in Canada, um, not a winner of the PC wars at the end of the day, but um, in their day, they were quite successful. We brought them to Canada. We sold tens and tens of thousands of their computers, but it was a different kind of deal for me that required a, you know, significantly more capital to build their business in Canada and had a better return at the end, which was nice, but it really drew me into a lot of intensity and anxiety that I could have done it without that. I don't think the outcome would have been any different. So it's kind of a enjoy the ride a little bit more, get out above the anxiety and stress and realize that you volunteered for this. You weren't drafted. That's awesome. Okay. You mentioned you're a voracious reader. I would like to know what your latest favorite book that you think I should read or any entrepreneur should read. Right. It goes back a few years. The one I'm reading right now is um, Bill Broder's Red Notice. Mm -hmm. And it's the story of him uh, going into Russia and building the, you know, largest, most successful multi-billion dollar investment bank. And then how Putin kind of turned against him. And he's been kind of out there and, you know, pushed out ever since. Fascinating read. But it's, I've read a lot of books on how to in business. Yeah. I was a huge fan of Tom Peters, yeah. who just on his email the other day said he's finally retiring. That was his final email. He's 80 now. He wrote brilliant books back in the day in search of excellence, a passion for excellence. So I've read a lot of the very traditional mm -hmm. books, but now I'm reading stuff with a bit of a storyline to it. Mm. Almost a little bit to keep my imagination sparked. Yeah. that, you know, to um, ha have me see the larger world from a bit of different perspective. I've been extremely Canada centric in my business, uh, being a, you know, a representative of technologies to Canada, even though yeah. I work with a lot of American and European companies in that regard. So that one uh, has really caught my attention because it's almost written like a novel, although it's, it's, it's nonfiction and it's a great read. My, I, I, you made me think of one of my favorite biographies was of Fred Smith, who started FedEx. 
and just how he had to break through conceptually. No one believed that anything could be done overnight, but he also had to be able to do that right from the get-go. So he had to, the capital intensity to build his hubs was right from the start. And it was just such a fascinating read. Um, yeah, Tom Peters tells that story in his early talks about Fred building FedEx and how yeah. he, he had he had to, you know, uh, bet the farm one time. He flew to Vegas. To make payroll. To make payroll. He he never learned gambling in his life. He got turned down by banks in Chicago. Those are awesome, inspiring stories for me. Now, by the way, the next uh, uh, book that Bill Browder wrote, which I got from my family for, for Christmas, was uh, Freezing Order. And uh, it's it's supposed to be, uh, it's it's almost a follow-on uh, to Red Notice in that, in that story, just to circle back while I had that thought. But I love the early Fred Smith story. And I took a lot out of those books and those philosophies. I, I committed myself among the thousands of other people that will write him to write Tom Peters and tell him. I met Tom about, um, oh, about a year or two before the pandemic. So that'd be going on five years now um, at a, a group that John Wilson was always kind enough to invite me to the CEO Global Network. And he got in fantastic speakers and he was having Tom Peters in. I couldn't miss it. I had the fortune of shaking Tom's hand and saying, what a profound impact he had on, on business because he changed the way we look at business. He, he, he inverted the pyramid. He put yeah. the frontline worker at the top of the pyramid, the executive at the bottom. Yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. And he made the case that companies that make great products, serve their customers well, have happy employees and productive work environments, they last. And there's a lot of that in my companies. Our average tenure in Keating Technologies is 16 years. Oh my goodness. So I know it's kind of crazy. I, I joke, I got to stop feeding these guys cheese and these ladies cheese, but uh, I don't think that's, that's just it. But um, I spent a lot of time, you know, you know, I was a fan of Roger Martin's. Roger and I sat on a advisory council together he wrote numerous books he was the former dean of rotman mm -hmm. uh, a business school here in toronto at the u of t one of the books that i liked that he wrote was called fixing the game mm -hmm. interesting parallel of how the nfl operated and and what business can learn from that mm -hmm. and pretty interesting stuff but uh you know, uh, Mavericks at Work was a, an important book for me way back. That's another 15, almost 20 year old book, I would think now, because it talked about uh, being an independent thinker yeah. and and not accepting the norm and how to how to break paradigms and turn them into businesses. Um, I have two questions left, one of which I'm going to piggyback onto that. When it comes to independent thinking and being a maverick and going your own way, how do you know? when to take the feedback from somebody and take it truthfully versus just following your gut? That's a great question. Now, now you're getting into the secret sauce. Um, I have a, a good friend, Jim Estill, very successful. He's right now, he's the CEO of Danby, comes from the technology industry, comes from my hometown. And Jim and I would go and have a hamburger and talk about, you know, what really makes business tick. And one of the things that we we both decided on one lunch was you know being able to hire with a good success rate for people who stay two years or longer yeah. is critical mm -hmm. and i've got a few thoughts on that if you'd like them but 
The second one was this issue of sitting in front of somebody. You know, there's a lot of marriage counselors who have never been married when you talk to consultants, et cetera. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little mystified right now how the accounting firms, the big ones, who I do a lot of work with, and I love them all, don't worry, guys, the Deloitte's of the world and the BDOs got into the cybersecurity business so quickly. Where they got all the cybersecurity expertise from? They they didn't have a background. It's a governance issue, I agree. But they um they advise on that in a very meaningful and effective way. They've been able to make that work. But being able to listen to somebody give you advice or hear somebody talk about something and pick out those threads is one of the, I would say, three or four keys to success because it can take you down some rabbit holes when the advice is not great. I think the first thing you have to do, if I may say on that front, is judge people by actions, not by words. Mm, yeah. When you're sitting listening to somebody, don't be afraid to ask the question, what have you actually done with this? Yeah. We were recently interviewing a, a, a marketing agency to do some work for us. And I said, this is all great. Proposal looks fantastic. Um, I had a little bit of a feeling that their top skill in the company might be proposals. And I just, they over-presenting? A little, <laughs> bit, a little bit. And I asked them to give me the name of three companies that I could call that would say they'd done this before and it generated leads for them. And that was the end of the conversation. So it was that, still theoretical. That was the last we heard of it. So, um, the, the, you know, and now in hiring, that other kind of, key to success in growing a business is you're never, and this is from Jack Welch, by the way, you're never going to get 10 out of 10 of the things you want in a hire. Yeah. So separate them into things you can teach and things you can't. So if six of the things are things you just can't teach a yeah. work ethic as an example, yep. an ability to see around corners, mm -hmm. an ability to be insightful as an example. Get that on your list and do not hire unless they meet those six. Now, consider the other four. Yes. Will this person pick up the technical aspects of what we're teaching? Yep. You know, uh, as an example. But uh, that, for me, has become uh, uh, a good formula for hiring. That's amazing. So, Larry, we're coming to the end of our time here together. And my question for you now is 35 years in, and I feel like you still have excitement, energy, and um, you're just, you want, you, you're still in the game. So tell me what, what gets you out of bed or what about tomorrow? What are you excited about for tomorrow? Well, this is going to sound just incredibly naive and a little unbelievable, but I didn't just do this for the money. Mm -hmm. I got to say the money's nice. I'm not giving it back. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I just love the sense of accomplishment I get out of running a business. Mm. I just love the fact that I, you know, show up in the morning and some mornings I set a goal. And by the end of the day, we've moved the needle a little bit to accomplish this mission of delivering technology to Canadians in a way that helps all of us a little bit better. Look, te technology gets a pretty bad rap. I mean, it's done some pretty mean stuff, but overall, Everything we do in life is affected by it and has been beneficially impacted by it. Healthcare, education, even entertainment, the way we work. If you look at the condition of the world 100 years ago and you look at it today, everything from infant mortality to education rates 
to poverty. So it, it's all improved dramatically. And if you start peeling away the layers, what technology has enabled can be sitting in underneath a lot of that. Mm. That's really inspiring for me. You know, I, I actually, in, in one of my talks, I go back almost 200 years and I look at what the invention of the telegraph, what the um, invention of the transistor and the integrated circuit and what all these things did for us and where they're going to take us. Uh, technology is incredibly powerful. What we can do today as a small business person oh. is orders of magnitudes greater than what and, somebody and, can do. And at the price we can do it at. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, compared to even 25 years ago, let alone 100 years ago, that's what gets me up. I mean, the, the, to be able to see that happen. Like our outcomes on our NPC secure managed computers for our clients has been incredible. I'm the chief architect and way beyond my expectations for reliability and security and productivity, renewal rates. I mean, it's, it's been, it's, it's exciting. It's an enormous amount of work. If you aren't excited about it, you're not gonna get it done. So yeah. it's a little ipso facto. If you are excited, you have success and that success feeds your excitement. Hopefully you can get into that kind of positive cycle. Absolutely. Larry, thanks so much for your time today. And I want to say the real bottom line here today is go all in and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. That's good advice. Hey, growth-oriented business owners. Are you ready to take your business to new heights and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs? I would like to introduce you to the Elite Growth Community, your ticket to a world of learning, sharing, strategizing, and problem solving. Our monthly live events will bring together successful business owners just like you, who are making over six figures and have been in the game for at least two years. And the best part, your first event is absolutely free. So try it out and see if it's the right fit for you. And after that, for just $17 a month, you'll unlock unlimited access to our exclusive community where you can accelerate your business growth like never before. No commitments, month to month. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to join the elite growth community at blackstarwealth.com backslash elite. Sign up today and watch your business soar to a new heights. That's blackstarwealth.com backslash E-L-I-T-E. Hope to see you soon.